0: So, I need I need some volunteers tonight. Three or four would do. Okay, now we're going to do a little bit. Of, I'm going to let you know what it is. We're going to do a little bit of charades. Okay, everyone loves charades. It's an amazing game. If, if you're not good at charades, do not raise your hand because I'll be upset with you if you ruin my illustration. So, do I have any brave takers who would come up here and act something out? I need, I will call names in like eight seconds if I don't have someone. So, okay, come on, thank you. New believer right here, boldness. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. All right, come on up, Mary. She, she's freshly baptized. Hair's still drying from being baptized on Sunday. <clears throat> All right, I need two more. Come on. Oh, there's Danny. I conned her into it before service. Sweet. Thank you, Danny. All right, well, we've got a bunch of brave women and uh, cowards as men. So, um, do we got a man that's uh, willing to be bold enough to come on up here? Nobody. No takers. Oh, man. All right. Only because I think I can make him least mad at me. Brian, come on. <laughs> okay. Now, I need you two. All right, so I, I'm going to give you a card. And you will act that out to the other two people not acting it out, okay? I'm going to give each one of you some cards. There's five, so one of you going to get to do it less than the others? So, sorry. Um, thanks for coming up, man. I appreciate your boldness. Um, uh, so, I'm going to hand one of you a card. You're going to see what it is. Your job is to act that out to the other person with no words. If you use words, ah, I'm going to be very angry. You lose your membership. Um <clears throat> So yeah, you just got it. Yeah, it's yeah. There's still a warranty here, okay? Um, so I'm gonna give you the first one. Okay. It's the easiest one, and you were the most reluctant to come. So I see I'm kind. Um, and then you ladies are going to guess what he's trying to say, okay? If you guess it right, then cool. All right, here is your word. Wait hello. Oh hello. Okay, there you go. Well done. Don't leave yet. All right, there's hello. We got that. Use no words. He was still able to express hello. <laughs> okay. All right. Mary. Be holy. Okay. Oh. No weird things. Okay. Communicate, weird. communicate this to Danny and Brian.
1: I, I love you.
0: I should have said no sign language. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, no. no. Try and try just tell him that without sign language. Way smarter than I thought they were going to be. Give me this, whatever. That's okay. I'm going to get you in a little bit. <clears throat> Don't look. <laughs> All right, try and convey this to them with no words.
1: Heaven, God, running to It's hot. The sun.
0: Okay, Danny, Danny, what was it? Your building is on fire. The building is on fire. <laughs> Not as easy to communicate that. Okay, this one is, uh... <laughs> okay, here you go. Try and communicate that to these ladies. No words, no sign language. He's doing so good. Okay, you ready to tell him? No. Okay. Go back to the go back to the object. More so of a lo- maybe a location. <laughs> Ready? All right. There is a big spider in your hair. <laughs> okay. Um, here, since you got the really hard one last time, I'll give you this one, which is easier. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, okay, hold on now. Now here, I'm gonna let you now now speak this to him. Speak, just speak it. Say it to him. Yeah, just say it. I
1: have to go
0: to the bathroom. Okay. Do y'all have any misunderstandings as to what she needs? No. Okay. All right. How about this one? Read that one.
1: There's a big
0: spider in your hair. Okay. Any misunderstandings as to what that could mean? The building is. Okay, yeah, so it's pretty easy. Now try and do this one again without words. There you go. <laughs> do you want me just to go ahead and... Huh? I, that's just, I mean, it's impossible, isn't it? Yeah, you'd be here all night. This one is... Um, or go ahead and sit down. Thank y'all. Y'all give him a round of applause. Thank y'all. <clears throat> the last one is um, Jesus died for your sins so you can be made right with God. And um, I'm glad that you had mentioned that it would be really hard for you to do that, and that's the exact purpose of what I'm trying to teach tonight, is that you cannot, without words, share the gospel. You can, without words, display the gospel, but you cannot, without using words, tell someone. Or you cannot without words evangelize it is impossible or you've either got to write them sign them or speak them and so if you're wanting to argue that with me I don't win many arguments but I will win that one Um, there is there is no way to truly evangelize unless you use your words and so that's what I want to talk about tonight okay Um, See, even the most, most basic of messages was difficult, right? Now, it'd be pretty important if there was a large, hairy, black widow tarantula in someone's hair. That would be pretty important to be able to need to clearly communicate that, correct? Right? There is a large spider in your hair. You should not move because it probably will eat your hand if you put your hand up there, right? That's something that would need to be expressed with words, um, I need to go to the bathroom. Many of you have had children, and they don't make it to the bathroom in time. Why? Because they couldn't tell you that that was about to happen, right? And even when they could, then they just didn't know how to use it. So I'm going to be going through those stages here very soon. Um, Even the most basic of messages um, are really hard to understand without words. And so the most complex thing about your soul is that it needs to be saved by the gospel. It needs to be made right with God, and you cannot clearly communicate that message without words. And so, there's a man named uh, Saint Francis of Assisi. Um, (laughs) It makes me think that like his dad was a sissy. Like he's Saint Francis of Assisi, right, his dad, no, it was a location, so Francis of Assisi, um, there's a a quote that's attributed to him, I don't know if it's truly his, so I don't want to bash him, but here we go, he says, share the gospel at all times, any of you know how to finish this? Use words if necessary, necessary. now, no one amen that, because I don't want to embarrass you, that is a very cute saying. But it is in every way unbiblical. Share the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. And what I'm going to argue tonight from the word of the Lord is that it is always necessary to use your words. You can display the gospel at all times and use words when you have the opportunity. I agree with that. But not um, sharing the gospel without words, right? So, what is the gospel now you have no time, no preparation, right? You just met someone on the side of the road. What is the gospel? Anyone want to just throw it out? Don't worry, pretty much any answer. I'm going to say yes to. Let Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, okay. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. What he did for me. What he did for you. Yes. It's the good news. This is the Greek scholar over here. That is literally the definition of gospel is good news. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2, um, uh, don't worry about turning there yet. Um, tonight, I am going to machine gun through some passages. And if you try and flip with me to them, look, I'm not even flipping. They're all written. Okay? So if you try and go... You will get there about the time I'm moving to the next one, Um, and so I think it would be less helpful for you to do that, right? So I've never wanted to tell people, don't open your Bibles, but um, (laughs) trust me, it is from the Word of God, and, and and we are going to talk about Scripture tonight, but we are going to machine gun through them. So in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul was wanting to plant a church. My goodness of all things, you'd think, well, Paul better go in there with both guns loaded, and he'd better be able to share the greatest, most eloquent sermons in all of the world. This is Corinth, by the way. These people are incredibly smart, and they love to hear eloquent speech, so he'd better come in there with both guns loaded. Well, he did with a very, very, very lethal bullet, and it's the gospel He says, when I was among you, I could have spoken. I mean, I'm Paul. I am a Ph.D. in theology. I could have spoken above your heads. But when I was planting this church, I decided that there would be one thing that we all stand on, and it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Right? And then John 14, 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and good night. If anyone's going to be able to explain the gospel, now we know that God inspires all scriptures, so it's as if Jesus is saying it no matter what. But here in the flesh, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me or but by me. Right? And so, what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came and died. And he's the only way to be made right with God. That is the gospel. Um, Very simply, you can say it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And very complexly, you can write 500, 800-page books on it, right? I will not, (laughs) but you can. Um, I won't even read it if you do. I'll read a little bit of it and tell you, great job. Um, But uh, the gospel simply and complexly Focuses and hinges on Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, right? And so, what is the gospel? The Greek word is euangelion, right? Which you probably already knew that, and you're probably gonna know exactly what I'm gonna say next. Um, how many of you have a negative reaction when I say the word evangelism? No, that's because you're in a generation not mine. Um, the word evangelism now, you have a picture of a fiery-suited preacher with, you know, his King James Bible in his right hand. Which is not bad, by the way. I like the King James Bible. Don't shoot me. Um, and he goes and he bangs on the door and he says, you ready to go to hell? <laughs> no, that's what I think my generation sees as evangelism. And I'm grateful that none of your hands went up because that is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, The gospel is the word, um, I think it's uh, euangelion is the gospel, and then I'm way above my pay grade here trying to say these words, Um, but evangelism is a play off of the word gospel. Um, I think it's evangelizo, something of that sort. Um, Forgive my pronunciation of it. But either way, these two words are mainly the exact same word with a different ending. And so you've got the good news, and then to evangelize simply means to proclaim that good news, right? We proclaim it through our preaching, we proclaim it through our Facebook posts, we proclaim it through what we write, we proclaim it through what we say. It's a proclamation, right? And so um, evangelism requires words, whether spoken or written, words are a necessity for evangelism, right? Now, I've made all these arguments so far, but I don't want you to trust in what I say, because I'm wrong a lot. So let's look at biblical examples, okay? Now here's where we go into the machine gun. Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be... Oh, my goodness. That's not the right verse. I was like, hold on. When did lightning come in there? Well, now I'm upset that I didn't write the right verse down, so let me read it to you. Matthew 24. My apologies. Oh, I know why that's I know why that's wrong. My apologies, guys and ladies. <laughs> you know, Matthew and Luke have a lot of things in common, but not that verse. Luke 24 Twenty-seven says, and beginning with Moses, so Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with two disciples, and he's saying, "Why are you guys upset?" and and they said, "Well, do do you not know what's been going on? Our Lord was crucified," and he's like, "Oh, really? Tell me about that." <laughs> They don't even recognize it's the resurrected Christ. And so, and then he calls them out and he calls them foolish ones, slow of heart, not understanding. And then, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus walks through the Old Testament and shares. The gospel. He shares the mystery of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And so then uh, let's jump into Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 14. Um, the Holy Spirit had just come down, and they were speaking in languages that everyone there was hearing in their own heart language, and someone comes up with the accusation. He says, these men are just drunk, and Peter stands, says, but Peter, verse 14, Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, what he goes into is a very long sermon. Well, I say, it's actually a really short sermon because it probably took about 12 minutes to say. But um, he begins to speak and he shares the gospel. Anyone want to remember what, he, what happened after that sermon? Yeah, 3,000 not women and children were saved. So we got upwards of 4,000, 5,000 people coming to Christ. Why? Because Peter opened his mouth. Now, if you're like, well, that's Peter, the apostle. Well, just a few days before, he acted as if he didn't know who Jesus was. We got a chance, okay? This dude's like, hey, don't you know Jesus? No, no way. Never even met the guy. Who's that? You know? And, and even a little girl comes and says, hey, no, I've seen you with him. No, be quiet, little girl. You don't know what you're talking about. A few days later, here he comes. 3,000 people plus get saved because he decided to open his mouth in obedience. Acts eight thirty through 35. Um, God and the Holy Spirit directs Philip to go. He says, hey, go to this area. And, and, and I just got something for you, right? That's the Tyler Martin translation. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked. So he, he saw this chariot going along the road, and he ran and caught him because that was who the Holy Spirit had impressed upon his heart to speak to. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And and, and the eunuch says to him, how can I unless someone guides me? I mean, my goodness, if this is not a gospel tailor-made situation, I don't know what is, right? This is the softball pitch from the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with this guy. He's reading scripture, and he says, do you understand it? How can I understand it unless someone helps me understand it? And he says, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom? Here's where the softball just comes in. About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about another? And then Philip opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Acts 10, 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, This is when Cornelius, a God-fearing man, had a vision of the Lord, and he sent his soldiers to go and get Peter. Peter comes, right? And Peter comes and he says, Why did you guys bring me here? So Cornelius tells him about the vision. And then here's where he it picked up: Peter opened his mouth and said. And the next verses was the gospel, Jesus Christ. And then verse 44 and 45, pick it up. While Peter was still speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from the beginning, um, from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. What did Peter open? His mouth. And he used words, Acts 16, 13-14. through 14, And on the Sabbath day, we, this is Paul and his disciples, we went out to the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was Acted out and displayed by Paul. Oh, sorry, never mind. I read the I don't like to evangelize version. Um, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Acts 16, 29. And the jailer called for the lights. This is Paul. He's in prison. They'd been singing songs, and they were rejoicing in the Lord. And then this massive earthquake comes, and, and everything goes crazy, and all the jail cells open. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in. And, trembling with fear, he fell down before, before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now I skipped several other passages, and I'm going to end in Acts 28, verse 30 and 31, the end of the book of Acts of the Apostles. He lived, this is Paul, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What is one thing every single one of these passages had in common? They spoke. Now, please... If you don't trust me, do your research on it. Find a passage in the scripture, put your finger on it, and show me where someone evangelized without their words. Now, do not walk out of here thinking, I don't even have to be nice to anyone anymore as long as I just tell them about Jesus. You know, I don't have to tip my waiters, my waitresses. I don't have to be nice to anyone ever. The mechanics, <laughs> as long as I tell them Jesus died for them, I can act like I'd rather kill him. That's not what I'm saying. A lot of times, it's your actions which earn you the right to be heard in people's lives. Um, I can guarantee you that if you live an unholy, unchristian, unchrist-like, unkind life, no one's going to want to hear about your Jesus. Um, So these passages, we saw a church setting where he's preaching a sermon. where. Um, The Lord had a divine appointment for him, and he impressed upon Philip's heart to go to a certain area and meet and talk to a certain person. This still happens today, right? I'm not trying to be Baptocostal. I just believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that sometimes when your eyes lock eyes with someone else and the Holy Spirit says you need to speak to them, I think you should, right? Now, I'm not saying you should go up to them and say, thus saith the Lord, you're a sinner and you need to be saved, right? No, don't do that, okay? Why don't you just walk up to him and start talking, hey, how are you doing today? Well, you know, I was walking by it, and I'm sorry to be awkward, but I just really, um, I just felt like I needed to come and share something with you. And I just want to tell you that God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus down the cross for you. And I know this may sound weird to you, um, but he paid for my sins and the wrong choices and your sins and the wrong choices you've made in this life. And he wants to forgive you of those sins. And he also wants to make right the things that have been broken in you. And he wants to give you a new life. Now, I know this may be awkward, but what do you, what do you think about that? Would you like to talk more about that? Is that something you've already believed? Guess what? That, that person may fold their books up, pack their stuff up, cuss you out, and walk off. But you know what they heard? The gospel. They heard the gospel. And the gospel seed has been planted... Now, Satan sometimes snatches that away, but if it didn't get snatched away, it's still in the soil to be grown later. You never leave anyone in a bad situation when you've left them with the gospel, right? No matter what they said to you as they left, they don't know the Holy Spirit, (laughs) and they don't know the power of God to open our eyes to our sin. So... You've got a church setting. You've got met someone in public, a neighborhood setting. That's Paul. He lived there for two years, right? So as people are coming by and he's talking with them, um, there's a jail setting. Um, now, God bless that. <laughs> they were in jail wrongly, okay? <laughs> Don't, like, go get in a bar fight and be like, well, I did that because I wanted to be like Paul. no. He was not there in a good way, right? Uh, He was wrongfully put there. You were rightfully put there. Either way, share the gospel, right? you got a captive audience. Where are they going? Um, And then, so in these passages above, you saw friends, strangers, and all of the above. That's another thing, a pet peeve of mine, that I believed for a long time. At one point, I literally taught other believers I was discipling that you need to know the name of someone's dog before you share the gospel with them. My heart was to say you need to actually care about the person. But guess what? You meet someone in an elevator, you got about 30 seconds. You don't have time to get to know them and be friends with them right then. Maybe God will keep your paths together later, but you don't know that at the time. And why would you just not share the gospel simply because you can't be best friends with them? That's ludicrous. So, The one thing all those passages had in common was that they used their words, and words are necessary, right? And I know that all of you know you need to share the gospel, you need to evangelize, um, but for various different reasons in your heart, problems in your heart or problems in your belief, um, because that's the only reason we don't evangelize, right? It's never because of a godly reason that we don't evangelize. It's due to sin, and guess what? I feel like I'm the foremost of sinning when it comes to not evangelizing right? Um, and so I want to share with you some of the things that helped me. Um, so we've talked about the, the, uh, the biblical, the theological, the doctrinal point, but how do we put that into practice? Because I thought that, you know, if I just preach on this and then I leave, all of us are just more informed in our disobedience, right? If, if I tell you that we should all share the gospel, but I don't actually help you then what have I done? And so I hope that in these next few um, moments that this would be very helpful to you, and it would. I have a list of a lot of things. If you think it'd be helpful, I'd love for you to write it down. Uh, grab your phone, grab a piece of paper, whatever. If you like one of them, write it down. Use it for the kingdom of God. Right. So until you get to when you're consistently sharing the gospel. Not once a year consistently, right? So consistently and continually sharing the gospel, you need to schedule it. I love my wife so very much. My favorite thing about my marriage with her right now is that her stomach is getting bigger and bigger and bigger with our sweet little baby girl inside of it, right? My stomach's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Although there is an illusion that I am, I am not But in my wife's stomach, and you could just feel the little baby, and I felt her kick um, just a few days ago, and I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world, right? And I love my wife, and I love her so much, and I enjoy being with her. Um, I used to always want to go hang out with Ethan. Now I think I'd rather go hang out with Ashley, right? And amen for that. She's way prettier than he is. Um, And I I love my wife. But you know what? There's been times where 3 weeks to a month have gone by and I'm like hmm, I think we might need to go spend some time together. Like we we may possibly might want to get dinner together somewhere. Now we eat dinner together almost every single day and we eat breakfast together every morning, but that that's our routine. Sometimes you got to step out of the routine. You got to go out to Taco Bell and spend some money and have a nice date. I mean, good night. You know? So I can't afford to go to a restaurant with nice bells, so I just say I'll take you to the bell tower in Taco Bell. Um, I'm kidding. We go to much nicer places in Taco Bell, but none of them taste as good as Taco Bell. Um, So every now and then you need to get out. You've got to schedule. You've got to schedule these things that mean a lot to you until they become a habit. And you know what? That's not a habit for my life. So it's a problem that I don't have date night scheduled for us. Because it means that we don't have the relationship that I think God would want. We have a great relationship. I love that, and we are very healthy. But I need to take my wife on more dates, right? Um, and so that's something I need to schedule. And so I'm going to say for myself and for you that unless you're just a, you know, just a, an amazing uh, person at sharing the gospel, you're going to need to schedule some times for you to share the gospel, Now, Tyler, how in the world? (laughs) What am I going to do? Go meet a lost person and ask them to meet with me on a Friday at 4.30 just so I can tell them about Jesus? No, that's that's not literally what I mean by schedule um, evangelism. Um, But what I do mean is maybe go to a park nearby your house from 6 to 7 once or twice a month. And at that hour, you say to yourself, okay, me, if you're single by yourself or you and your spouse and your children, you're going to go here. And your sole purpose is if God would allow you to talk to anyone, you'll do everything you can to tell them about Jesus. And when you see church members or friends of yours that are saved, say, Dude, get behind me, Satan. I'm here to tell someone about Jesus, right? You already got him. Get out of my way. I'm trying to evangelize here, okay? They'll understand and they can get over it. So maybe go to a park at a certain time each month or each week, Um, go door to door. I promise you, if you want to have opportunity to share the gospel, knock on a door and see see what happens. Someone's going to answer, and you're going to be right. And you're just going to have to share the gospel, right? It's a great way to learn. Um, make treats, uh, make cookies, make whatever it is you're good at cooking. Make them for your neighbors um, during the holiday seasons. And our Culture of skepticism and cynical people, they're probably going to throw it away because they're going to think you, like, laced it with something that's going to kill them. That's fine. Just give it to them, right? That's all that matters. doesn't matter what they do with it. But make a treat for your neighbor. And during the holiday times, Easter, Thanksgiving, um, Halloween, right? Christmas. Did I say that already? New Year's. Go over and take them these gifts, and it will be an opportunity for you to gain a relationship with them and also even maybe as you're doing that, share with them the gospel. Like, Hey, thank you so much. Well, you know, I just wanted to share the love of Jesus with you. I don't know. Something like that, right? Um, go greet people who move into your neighborhood, right? Take them something to eat. Take them a, a $20 Starbucks gift card. If you don't have $20, give them a broken gift card and just make them think that it's something they did wrong, right? Um... <laughs> Guys, just let's just back it up. Don't do that. I was just kidding. <laughs> I was a Christian until you did that. Now I'm walking away. No, anyways, um, have a rule. This pastor friend of mine, uh, he has uh, a rule that if he's going to be with you five minutes, he's going to make every attempt to share the gospel. So when any worker comes to his house, at and U-verse, whatever it be, um, if they're going to be there, he's going to share the gospel with them. Um, and so maybe have a rule. Maybe your rule will be like, if I'm going to be with someone for a day or two, right? Start there, okay, and lower it down, okay? I understand fear when it comes to evangelism, but man, we've got to get over it, and we've got to tell people about Jesus, right? Um, and then, um, let's see here. I love this. When someone has a sales pitch, let them share it with you. On the condition of, like, hey, can I tell you about why you need to have this cable? Oh, my goodness, it is the greatest cable in the world. Like, okay, I'll let you tell me about that cable for five minutes as long as you let me have five minutes of your time afterwards. You just want an opportunity to share the gospel because you listen to them. They'll be rude. Listen. If they got good cable, buy it. And then share the gospel. And if you really want them to get saved, buy the cable anyways and then cancel it after they get saved. Now, hey, Amen. I feel like I'm starting to sound like Creflo Dollar up here. All these kinds of deceptive evangelistic tactics, right? But, uh, man, I kicked myself. One time I was in Austin, and this guy came up, and he says, Hey, would you like to hear and sign a petition about Planned Parenthood? And I went, No, I'm good, man. Thank you very much. And I walked off, and I kicked myself because I had such an amazing opportunity to share the gospel, and I blew it. I could have said yes, Please tell me about that. And you know what? He would have been explaining to me why he thought abortion was okay. And then I could have had a great opportunity to say, Only, I'll, sh- I'll let you share with me if you let me share with you for five minutes. Okay. I share with him, or he shares with me. I then get to share with him why I think that Jesus creates life and why every life is important and has a purpose. Why does it have that purpose? Because God wants to save them and use them to bring hope and healing to everyone on this world. Man, I missed that opportunity. Wouldn't that have sounded great? Gosh, I missed it. Don't you miss it, okay? Go back to Austin. Find that guy. He looked kind of like me, but a lot skinnier and a little taller. We actually looked nothing alike, but he had a Planned Parenthood sign. Okay. Another practical thing. I don't know if you know this. I hope you do by now. Uh, Many of you have ignored the emails I've sent to you about it. Um, We have this thing. It's our church-wide evangelistic ministry. It's called Fourth Wednesday Evangelism. And the fourth Wednesday of every month, you know what I'm talking about, the email that you tried to delete. No, we have a system it shows me who opens it, okay? So, um, fourth Wednesday evangelism, every fourth Wednesday at 6.30, we meet to pray and go over where we're going to go and how uh, we're going to do it. And then from 6.50 to 7.40-ish, we go and knock on doors and we tell our neighbors about Jesus Christ. And then we come home and we pray and we talk about it. Now... I don't think you can find a more awkward way to share the gospel, and that is precisely why we're doing it. I want you to learn to share the gospel in the most awkward, horrible situations you can, because every other situation's easier than that. Right? Now, if I just taught you how to share the gospel on the softball pitches, when the guy comes to you crying, I just need to give my life to Jesus, you didn't learn anything. You need to suffer, and so do I. And that's why we're doing door-to-door evangelism, because it's hard. You don't know that person, and you've got about 15 seconds to try and share the gospel before they shut the door, or beside they decide they want to talk with you, all right? That's a pretty good selling point, isn't it? It's miserable and awkward, yeah. So come with us. Fourth Wednesday evangelism, and guess what? You'd get to share the gospel, and you're going to be better at evangelism afterwards than you were before. That's what I can promise you, is that you will get to share the gospel or watch someone else share the gospel, um, So, um, I want to share, um, look for bridges. Oh, we still got plenty of time, baby. We got about 30 minutes left. We're good. Um, I want to share with you, look for bridges, right? Look for bridges to get to the gospel. Just talk to people about life. Talk to them how you're doing. How's your mom? How's your dog? All these things. And they're going to say things to you, and you know what the people always say, well, I don't really have an opportunity to share the gospel. Yes, you do. You just are blind, when someone tells you, man, I'm just having a really hard time, me and, you know, me and my family are going through a stressful time, that right there, friends, if you didn't know, that's an opportunity to try and share the gospel, okay? So you ask them, okay, well, what's going on? And you talk to them, and you listen, and you care. And then you say, you know, hey, I, you are going through a hard time. I want to ask you, how do you find hope and peace in the midst of a really tough time for your family? Let them answer and then tear with him. You know, I, I've been through a situation like that as well. And you want to know, can I just share with you what helped me through it? Man, I know this may sound weird to you, but man, it's my faith in Jesus Christ. And the fact that I knew he was with me in it all. And let me tell you, God loves you so much. Jesus didn't just come to save my life, but he died for your sins. And not only died for your sins, but he died for um, the pain that's in your heart. He wants to make that better. He wants you to know that he'll walk with you through it. Right? And so those kinds of things. Um, For me, biblical names. If you tell me your name is Jedediah, I'm going to share the gospel with you, right? Or I'm bringing it up. If you say my name is Zachariah, Hezekiah, Obadiah, if you say your name is one of those, you either have some parents that hated you or just really love Jesus, right? Um, If you named your son that, I just said you really loved Jesus, okay? Don't get mad at me. Um, So when I hear a biblical name, I'm going to try and ask them, hey, did you... Your name is a pretty prominent biblical character. Is that because your parents were believers, you know? Oh, no, they just liked the name. Okay, cool. Well, you know, and you try and transfer into the gospel. Now, that one right there will get you into some awkward conversations. If you just want to know, it's probably one of my weaker bridges. It's the bridge that kind of shakes a bit. Um, So the biblical names, a lot of people don't love Jesus, even if their name is Daniel, okay? And so... You just better be ready to try and find another bridge real quick. You're going to need to exit and get back on in a little bit. Um, but it is a bridge nonetheless. Um, common interests. I love. I played baseball for a lot of my life. Um, and so whenever I meet young baseball players, kids, I, I try and share with them my story that I put all my hope in baseball and popularity. Um, but then I found Jesus, and I trusted in him, and I, and I talked with him about that, and I talk with them about how I found purpose in baseball through Christ, right? Um, I I didn't put baseball as my God anymore. I trusted Christ, and then baseball became more fun, Um, and I asked them about if they've ever believed that. Um, References to God. Um, Sometimes people say God with a D word after the end. That's probably not a good bridge to get to talking about God, because they probably didn't care. Anyways, um, References to God. I was at the Trinity Trails with Ethan last night. We were letting our pups run around in the water and uh, swim. And this woman had a dog named Moses, biblical name. And then she mentioned that she was, a, she was you know, pretty up in age. She was in upwards of 90 or something like that. And she said, this will be my last dog unless I get more dogs up there. Yeah. Right? That is a bridge. Dog named Moses talked about going up there. Okay, so I said... All right, hold on, you got a dog named Moses, and you mentioned you're going to go up to heaven. I said, are you a believer? And she said, oh, yes, I am, absolutely. And, and so I began to talk with her, and, and so I said, um, so I, I know that everyone kind of has many different beliefs on this topic. This is paraphrasing. But then I said, so you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and yours, and by faith in him we can be made right with God? Is that what you believe? And she said, yes. Right? And so in the midst of, she even said she's a believer, but I just wanted to affirm, because I'm skeptical, um, and, and she said she affirmed the gospel truth. Now, whether she's saved or not, that's between her and the Lord, but that was an opportunity, right? So I took the name of her dog, and one thing she said about heaven, and, and I took that. Um, I got a couple more. Um, captive audiences. <laughs> when you're on an airplane, look, they ain't going nowhere, Okay? <laughs> And even if they ask the stewardess to change seats, it ain't happening because you can't ever stand up on these flights, right? they like, never turn the seatbelt sign off. Anyways, so airplanes, start talking to them. Um, if you got to get some homework or work done, cool, get your work done to the glory of God and then start talking to somebody. Um, talk quietly or else everyone's going to hate you, right? Um, so airplanes, uh, doctor's offices, um, or when you're out just doing your hobbies, and uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, me and Drew Chumley and then Ethan Wagner, we went to Alpine Gun Range and we went to go shoot uh, their Sporting Clays um, course, right? So 10 different stations, 10 shots at each course. I lost to Ethan. Oh, so mad. I was winning for a little bit, but then I ended up losing. So I'm kind of competitive, especially when it comes to Ethan. But... Um, We were with this guy, and um, he had a biblical name, and he was about my age. And, I mean, we were with him for an hour and a half as we were just shooting and shooting and shooting. And uh, so I just kind of talked with him a little bit and um, was searching for an opportunity, and it was really difficult because he was having to focus on... A shooting. So eventually I just started interrupting other people's shots and started talking to him because I don't care about Drew and Ethan. They're both going to heaven when they die. So um, I started talking to him. <laughs> Poor guys, they had to wait for, to shoot because I was over here talking his ear off. Um, but he begins telling me a story, and uh, one of the stories he told me resonated with the past I had before Christ. And so I said, man, I used to live and have plenty of stories like that, and then I realized it was an empty life. And uh, I put my faith in Jesus, and I don't know if that's weird to you or not. I said, but uh, man, I've lived on both sides of the fence, and I'd never go back to that life without Christ now. I said, what do you think about it? And so then we spent another 20 minutes just talking about the pain he's gone through in his life and how Jesus brings heaven to these broken parts of our lives and how he needs to stop running from the Lord and to trust in Jesus. And man, all that just because I was simply obedient enough to open my mouth. I'm not saying I did a good job. I'm just saying I opened my mouth and spoke. Um, and so um, I encourage you to take, um, take advantage of captive audiences and then uh, build relationships, right? I, I am a huge fan of uh, friend evangelism, right? Uh, a guy I met in academy about nine months ago, eight months ago, uh, we, he has a black lab that looks just like mine. We talked about that. We talked about duck hunting. He had a ton of camouflage gear he was buying. We talked about duck hunting. I said, dude, look, we're pretty much the same person, just different, and um, we need to hunt together. And he was like, okay. So I go home. I get his phone number, and I'm thinking, I'm going to text this guy. He'll never talk to me again. Lo and behold, he was like, dude, yeah, that's awesome. You have a beautiful dog. I sent him a picture of my dog because I told him we literally have the same dog, just different gender. And... Um, And he was like, yeah, it's a beautiful dog, blah, 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 let's go hunt together. So I'm like, cool, we're leaving at 3.45 in the morning, see you then, or 4.30, no, yeah, 3.45 we were meeting. I said, here's my address, we're leaving on this day. Guess what, who showed up at 3.45? And guess who walked the aisle two weeks ago? Yeah, so I was pumped. That's not going to happen very often. You don't usually get to become good friends with people that you meet and get to share the gospel with. And I had shared the gospel with him while we were hunting. He said he was a believer, um, and so I wasn't going to say immediately, no, you're not. Um, I I don't mind saying, no, you're not, after a while of getting to talk to him. But I I wanted to wait a little bit. You know, he still had a gun in his hand. And so um, (laughs) and um, just getting to share with him and then just doing life with him. I'd go stop by Academy because I knew he was working there, and, and I'd talk with him. And, um, and so just following up with that, that was, I'm so blessed, and I'm still hoping to see how God would use that, and I'm um, uh, looking forward to that. So um, Brian also shared the gospel with him at one point in time. This is how, I, I don't know if I do evangelism this way, but boy, was it funny. We were driving to go duck hunting, and uh, it was kind of icy on the road, <laughs> and Brian goes, Hey, these roads are pretty dangerous. I know where I'm going. If I die, where are you going? <laughs> I'm sitting in the back seat. Zach's in the front seat. I'm just dying. I'm like, man. Well, at least we brought it up, you know. And so um, that was one way of getting it out, and well, it was definitely funny. And there's a captive audience right there. He could go nowhere, and he knew Brian was controlling the truck on the icy roads. Anyways. Last, my last most useful application I think I could give you for evangelism. When you go out to eat, I know that you are very spiritual and you love to pray over the chips and salsa, okay? Wait. God will understand your strategic evangelism, okay? When your server comes, place your order. Be nice, okay? Um, Even if they're rude, try and be nice. And then order your food. When they deliver your food... Say, hey, we're about to pray over our food, and I'd love to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Sometimes they'll say no and be very awkward, but most of the time they'll say something. And a lot of the times they're really taken aback that someone wanted to pray for them. Okay, You do that, pray for them. And then when they come back by... Mentioned, hey, we prayed for you. This, this uh, worked really well for us one time in Mexican Inn. A woman uh, was pregnant and she said, please pray for my baby and me and my boyfriend. And we, you know, we're just really excited about this time in our life. So we prayed. And I said, uh, when she came back, hey, we prayed for you and your child and we're really happy for you. I said, um, I just want to let you know that I believe that God created that life inside of you. You know, I don't know what kind of situation it came out of, but I want you to know that God creates life. And God has a purpose for that child's life, but not just her life, or their life, but yours as well. And his purpose is that you would love Jesus. And he loves you so, and I shared the gospel with her. Um, she never came to church. I haven't seen her since. But you know what? The gospel was planted. Um, and so, man, what an amazing opportunity you have when you go to eat. Ask them how you can pray for them. And then tell them, hey, the answer, the ultimate fulfillment of that prayer that we prayed for you is in Jesus. Right? And so sharing with that. Um, uh, yes. I want to share something that
1: might be an encouragement to everyone because I know it was a major encouragement to me this
0: week. Yes.
1: <laughs> and we started this conversation. He's like, well, who do you pray to? And so, you know, talk about softball. Yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> well, let me tell you about it. <laughs>
1: so I had about a half an hour conversation with her I was able to share the gospel. Didn't, wasn't planned, wasn't, you know. Right. Her. I come awesome. walking in. She sees me. She comes out. And she gives me a big hug. and says, Mike, you changed my life. Wow. I'm like, and I didn't even remember at
0: that point. I didn't even remember sharing the gospel. With her. Right.
1: So she said, I started going to church. Things started making sense, and I got saved.
0: My Amen. Amen. And you talk about something that's
1: encouraging, you know, just something as simple. All I did was say, I'll pray for you. Right. God did the rest. That's right. And I had no idea that, you know, I thought she thought I was crazy after we left. <laughs> but
0: we don't know what kind of impact. Amen. On Amen. You know, yeah, use your words. That's an amazing story. Thank you. I'm going to close with this. If you're not actively participating in sharing the gospel, then you are biblically actively participating in sin. Um, repentance of that looks like beginning to try and share the gospel. I'm not saying you've got to do it every single day and be perfect at it. And I'm not saying that there's a number each week. That's flirting very largely with legalism. I don't know the number every week for you. I don't know the number every week for me, but I know that I'm not doing it enough. And so I encourage you, think about the last time you shared the gospel and ask yourself if that fits in the New Testament emphasis of evangelism because that's what God wants for you and that's what God wants for me. Um, Please, come with us on Fourth Wednesdays for evangelism, okay? I want to help you share the gospel because I spent several years of my life sinning against God by not sharing the gospel. And by the grace of God, he brought me out of that. I repented, began sharing the gospel, and then guess what? I got hired here (laughs) to share the gospel. I was like, thanks God. Um, I don't know if this is the right job, but I'm not going to tell Pastor John or Pastor Haley that. So I'm just going to take the job because I really wanted one. Um, And uh, I want to help you share the gospel. I want to help you be a part of changing the world, not in the romantic sense of the word but in the real if you can lead one person to Christ you just change the world and you change their eternity God changed it but he used you to do it so I love you all thank you so much for bearing with me and thank you for your flexibility in the service tonight Um, let us pray for uh, the people affected by the hurricane Uh, many many opportunities for evangelism there many opportunities to help them regardless of the evangelism but many opportunities to share with them the hope of Christ. They just lost a lot of their hope, um, and, they, and it is found in Christ. And so let's pray for the believers and those helping down there, that they would be effective witnesses. And uh, let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, I spoke too fast. My brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I ask, Lord, that you would help us all to share the gospel. Lord, we pray for those in the Houston and uh, kind of just... the that area, the Houston area, and Rockport, and all those places. Lord, would you comfort them. And Lord, would you equip your saints to go there and to do the work of ministry by helping, and also, Lord, by sharing the gospel with their words. In Jesus' name, amen.